even if I don't try, I'm going to end up writing stuff that'll be fun for me to draw. It's going to work its way in just because I already, I don't have to think about my own, you know, predilections or my own, whatever, like things, things that I get into. It's like, I, I know what that is already. So yeah, getting into the, another artist's head and trying to figure that out. That's a different, different skill set. Hey, you. Thanks for listening. This past weekend was the inaugural Beer City Comic Con and the first convention I have tabled uh, since the late 90s, so about 24 years since I've last been a guest, which is quite a quite a trip. I also participated in two panel discussions, uh, one as a panelist and the other one as a moderator. It was a really nice way to spend my time at the show. The questions were great. The people in the audience really did make it a lot of fun. And I'm just going through the the after effects of the show, thinking about future attendance and how that would look for me if I really do want to pursue doing that. I don't know. I, I do feel inhibited, uh, though I do like having a place to go sit down. I don't know. I'll have to try to figure out some solution. I hope Asheville uh, can anchor a show because I know that many creators would like to come. Today's guest is Wes Craig. I met Wes at a show, had dinner with him. He was great to talk with back then, and we had a really fun talk for this one. And he's that person who got into comics as an artist and eventually uh, became a writer of their own stories. And he's really dedicated to this. And I, I'm so excited when I get to talk to someone who is doing this because I, I, I understand the excitement factor, you know, that is sort of balanced with the, the nervousness of the same process. And, uh, I mean, but he, you know, he writes every day and he writes by hand, which I think is fantastic. I, I, I do not write by hand, but I do outline and try to take as many notes by hand because I think there's a lot of sort of a manual free association that happens from that. Yeah. And, you know, he's, he also revealed a great little, uh, secret of his, you know, how he squeezes some figure drawing in. If you're not familiar with his work on his current series, Kaya, or his previous series, Deadly Class, definitely seek it out. The first trade collection is out. I think they're up to issue 11 right now in the stores, which I believe just came out. And the second trade is coming out later this year before Christmas. It's a, you know, it's a good time if you want to get in the, the Kaya game. Yeah, I mean, without further ado, this is me with Wes Craig. How many PR directors has it taken to screw in a light bulb is the, <laughs> is the joke, you know, at least the premise of the joke, because it takes a lot, apparently. Um, yeah, so how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, it's September, you know, I'm just like, not too much longer of good weather around here. So I'm just right. trying to, I don't know, getting, getting it, the, trying to deadlines kind of get in the way but at the same time it's like I, I i tell my wife kind of like 
oh, it's too bad. I, I wanted to go for a run today or I wanted to, <laughs> or on the opposite side of things, I wanted to go to the Dairy Queen and get myself a blizzard. And mm-hmm. like, you know, it's just like, I don't want to hear it, man. Like it's not, you know, like you're, you're whining and complaining about not having enough time to do little other things. You know, it's like, nobody gets to do that. Nobody that has like her, she has a nine to five, like a yeah. regular job. Um, but it's just, uh, yeah, but I'm at the same time. On the other hand, if I have vacations, basically I have to like invent them. Like mm-hmm. there is no vacation when you're no. working for yourself. So it's like, well, if I want a week off, I have to bust my ass for two, three weeks and like just grind so hard that I can kind of like day by day by day kind of clear a little bit of time away. You know, right? You're like buying hours. Yeah, <laughs> it's like literally like she sees me as almost like sometimes it seems frantic to her probably, but it's like it's just years and years of doing it like 15 minutes matters and half an hour matters. It's all, Mm -hmm. that's how you don't get your work done is all of a sudden you're on, you're online, you're looking at something and then you look at the page at the end of the day and say, how did I not get this done? And it's just like, that's one of the things. It's just like, you don't have time to just do these little. I mean, it's like, it makes me, I mean, it really harkens to that death by a thousand cuts kind of thing. Like that's really like that, that really describes, you know, drawing and I'll even I'll, I'll group in inking and I guess nowadays you can group in coloring because it's so complicated compared to what it used to be but mm-hmm. it is really this kind of thing like you know because we're not clocking into somebody's office space and doing the job to get done because there's a boss going like how's that report coming Craig and you're like uh, yeah. I'll, I'll get out of desk tomorrow sir you know like we had like you have to do this whole time manager thing which Historically, most of us are not very good at. Um, <laughs> no, exactly. So exactly. it's really- I, I'm very good at making excuses for myself. I don't do too many of those things, like say, like I don't play video games and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That are big time sucks. But I yeah. mean, there are little things where uh, mainly what it is is living in Montreal, living up in Canada, is like I'll look out the window and I'll go, man, I could really go for like just a, like just I just want to go walk on the mountain or like I said, like get a blizzard or get a whatever, and it's like it's hard to not find an, you know, like when it's, it's really like you're feeling guilty kind of either way. Cause it's really only the nice weather is only going to last so much longer. So mm-hmm. it is a good excuse. Like you do need to get out there, get out there. You know, yeah. that's, that's what the, the slacking part of my brain is saying. But also once I get out there, I'm like, shit, I should probably be at home <laughs> you know, like finishing off that page. So, you know, you just it's torture so, yourself either way, you know? Yeah, it's so crazy. Cause like, I, you know, I guess we'll, so this will hit right after, you know, so this weekend, now I'm speaking in the past to everybody listening, but I'm like, I'm tabling for the first time in 24 years. Oh, wow. So it's kind of crazy. Um, yeah. And Where? I pulled up here in Asheville, they, uh, they've brought the convention back Where? to Asheville, which is cool. Okay. So Matt, Matt, Matt Manning will be there and a bunch of other people. And yeah. I'm, you know, so I'm going through old artwork, which I was like, oh, wow, okay, I'm looking at this. And, and I keep, and I think, and I have all these conversations with, you know, you know, people who I'm just like loving what they do on the, on the page. And much of what I, I love is the stylization and reduction of the visuals. Like here I'm, I'm creating some sort of cuneiform or shorthand, like visual yeah. imagery to, to tell a story. And all I see is this horrible struggle, you know, of a decade of just trying to put as much crap as I could possibly fill up on a page with a pencil. And I'm like, what was I doing? Like, why? And like, and I, even if you said, here's a blank piece of paper, dummy, draw a comic book page. Here's a script. You don't have to think about the story. Just draw. 
I will do that again. I will, I will go in and I will somehow like derail myself with all this detail. And I don't know why I don't know why. Yeah. I think it's like, there's a, I think there's a working class aspect of being comic book creators. A lot, a lot of, maybe not any in the current era, but that's kind of where it came from is, you know, like these guys that didn't have any connections, just doing comic books and stuff. And it's like, you feel like you have to, you have to earn it by filling the page with just work, 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 right. work, I think. And it takes yeah. a, a change of your mindset to just be able to go like, I don't need to prove myself anymore. I don't need to prove it with every line. Like I've all, that's a huge thing that I, for years that I would look at uh, Mike Minola's stuff mm-hmm. in Hellboy. And it's like, he would draw, you know, something like a dragon coming out of the water and he, or something like that or whatever. And, and he just wouldn't draw the water. Like there just, there would be zero lines to like yeah. indicate, but you know what it is. And I was like, man, like it just drove me crazy that he just have the confidence to do that. And I can feel myself too, when I'm doing, filling in little areas, I'm like, it looks good now. And then like, as I'm doing it, I'm like fighting with my own, fighting inside of my head, like stop drawing, stop, stop, you know, like right. just a little bit more. I'm just going to put a little tiny thing here. And it's like, takes a lot of confidence to be able to pull back and, uh, and let it, let it be. Um, yeah, it's a tough one. That's, it's that's an so tough struggle for me too, for sure. And I know, and I was, you know, talking, um, with Eric Kennedy about this, we were really talking about this whole reductionist kind of thought process, which that's not Eric. I mean, Eric's artwork is not no. reductionist. Um, but yeah. you know, he was, he was talking about Mignola in that level of, you know, removing all the things that are distraction from the story. Like he's telling the story, he's removing words. Like he, he's like, you know, he's like a poet, you know, just taking all the things that are not consequential out and like yeah. you were talking about the water, like, okay, so he's going to draw a bunch of vertical lines of a dragon. Like, here's the dragon, a bunch of vertical lines going up from the water source and like mm-hmm. literally like old school, like kid drawing water droplet shapes, you know, just say like, <laughs> like, like he's a graphic designer saying that's water, you know, yeah. and then Matt goes yeah. and, and colors it and makes it the right color, Matt or whoever is his colorist, you know, and poof, yeah, yeah. there you go. Well, Wilson, was it Matt Wilson? Usually he's calling him. For me, no, it's uh, it's the other uh, one. Dave, Dave Stewart. I Dave think. Stewart, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's, but it's so it's so clever in so many ways. And I think what Mike did is he kicked the door wide open for so many people following in that respect because yeah. you know Toth is the king of reduction in in clarity and storytelling, mm. but it's still fully drawn everything. You know what I mean? But like, Mike is like, I'm just going to put some smoke here and I don't have to draw the legs. You're like, all right. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Atmosphere. So there's a, there's a dynamism that's, well, I mean, Toth has a lot of that too, but, but you know, like, like, Mignola got a lot of Kirby in there where there's a lot Mm -hmm. of action and a lot of kind of power in his drawings, whereas Toth is more just like a pure storyteller. Like, it's like, I don't think his stuff necessarily always translates perfectly well to superhero stuff. It's like Toth is so good for atmospheric things, crime stories, stuff like that. But I think Mignola has that superhero bombast kind of thing. Like, you know, like an Mm -hmm. interesting combination of those, of those, of the Kirby and the Toth, he kind of, I don't know. I know uh, there's a lot of different things. Obviously, everybody has their influences. You can see the Frazetta in him and all these things, yeah. but uh, he's able to make it his own language. That's like you're saying the cuneiform type of stuff. That's something that I've always tried to, 
I would like to do, and I haven't found my my way of doing it yet, if I ever will, but it's like you can just take a piece of a Jack Kirby or take a piece of a Mike Mignola and it's like, you know what it is, like just mm-hmm. like a small little piece of each of, of a random frame. And it's like, that's what Kirby has the most is just, you know, it's like fine art. It's like, it's a language he created. Yes. He created a language that they, we all copy and everything, but it's like, but still we haven't really, like anything, it's like everybody just copies kind of the, the cliff notes version of it, the most sure. obvious things, the Kirby crackle, the this and that, but it's like created. It's like, it's like looking at like paintings from Gustav Klimt or something where there's these abstract shapes that add up to things, but they're mm-hmm. not real at all. You know, like I find that, find that fascinating. I don't know, like, I literally don't know any other cartoonist as great as, you know, some of the greats have been. It's like, he's that one guy that is able to kind of create his own perfect language. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'd love to do that one day, but I just find myself just falling back on the stuff that he invented. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's so it is incredibly aspirational in that I, in that idea, but I think that is ultimately what we all strive for, even if we're not con- you know conscious of it. It's you know how do we do it? And like because we we also battle we battle with what we love. You know what I mean? Like we're fighting like you're you know you're you're fighting every single piece of comic book artwork or you know aubrey beardsley you know illustration or whatever it is in your head and you're like i want that like can i make that you know and it's like you know ultimately what comes out is you but like if if you could somehow just like offload all that that sort of like consciousness of that stuff and then like approach it like very zen and blank i think you you know somewhere that would come but that that but like me trying to add detail and crap into something is me confusing my own message. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. Uh, I always feel like the stuff that I do is like pretty clear when I'm drawing it. And then I'll look at the comic book afterwards and I'll see that that is a problem. It's just like, oh man, it's a lot, a lot of that's one of the more recent problems I've seen is just putting in things that are distracting from the, 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 the message of each panel mm-hmm. and stuff. You know, like, do like, you oh, edit it? Like this thing instead of that thing, this is, yeah. this is what you're, I'm, I'm, Taking, yeah, like, you know, just taking, um, taking, uh, taking away from the, from the, the man, I'm blanking on my words, but the focal point, just yeah, taking yeah. away. Because like, like, once again, you know, death by a thousand cuts, there's no time for the shit, but like, it would be amazing. It would be an amazing process. Cause like, you know, when somebody hands you their comic page, like, Hey, look, could you take a look at my work and tell me what I need to do? Yeah. Well, you can do that. Like you can do it. You can look at it and go, okay, well, this, this, that, and the other thing. Because it's so clear what is either needed or not needed. Yeah. And then when we look at our own stuff, especially in the time of creation, I don't think we have that that sort of distance. But what would be an amazing thing is to be able to take your, you know, you, hey, two issues ago, you know, pull out two issues ago and and just like edit the imagery and see what you come up with. Like, pick a panel, you know, and then, you know, light box it or trace it or whatever it is to like, I think tracing, cause it oh, actually that, that, that reduction of visibility might be a way to kind of like help you edit what's important. Yeah. Yeah. See the mistakes more easily too, for sure. Yeah. 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 That would be great. <laughs> cause like I ha- well, cause like when I'm writing, I have to do this. Like I have to be as objective as I can to what's on the page. And like, you know, how far do you balance it down? Do you balance it down to this Hemingway, Raymond Chandler sort of like simple 
you know, very clear way of writing or do you, how, or how prosaically, you know, you know, Tolkien do you want to get with it? But like somewhere in there is like the way to tell the story clearly, but not like so dry. And so you have to kind of go through it and go, is that important? Is this the message? What am I trying to set up for the next thing? And like, cause it's like story. I mean, the it's storytelling, um, but like, like visual storytelling, you have to set up the next couple panels in the panel you're drawing. Yeah. Like you can't just go like, I don't care. Like you have to care. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely don't want the, 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 the reader to get lost. Yeah. I think it's like, I think, you know, minimalism or whatever in, like you're saying with, with Hellboy, it's not just the art. It's like the way that he approaches the story It all. It's all of a piece, right? Mm -hmm. Like it all, it all is minimalism in in a certain way. And it's like, I think, I think that works generally best for comic books, but uh, just because, you know, there's limited space. And I think just the more you can bear it down to the, you know, it's like looking at comic books that have just way too many words on them. It's not that you don't want to read them. It's just, unless they're genius, like word wordsmiths right you know it's this is too much and it's just kind of jarring to turn that next page and go oh this is a lot of words you know like like but i'll read a thousand times that many words when i'm reading a novel it's just that it just doesn't feel like it fits perfectly with with a comic book although to see something that's super super maximal where it's like you know somebody that like writes flowery prose like old school alan moore swamp thing mixed with uh mixed with um like Jeff Darrow level of like intricacy and stuff like that would sure. be fascinating too. If they're because because then they'd be really going for it. But I, I think if you're just going for the best version of comic books, everybody has their opinions. That just yeah. for me, I think though, yeah, picking like going in that Hemingway kind of kind of way of breaking it down. But big, it's just editing though, right? It's not just yeah. minimizing. It's just like picking the, those best perfect perfect words that sum it up perfect image perfect word it's like that's what you're going for i guess yeah and you know and those and you know the 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 thousand words you get to draw get to write is the drawing Mm -hmm. you know like every single panel is the thousand words so you can really kind of do a lot of heavy lifting with that whatever's happening in that panel yeah yeah for sure i think that's something that i'm working on right now is trying to you know it's like i've been drawing for so long and so many hours spent you know, for every eight hours I draw, I, I write for like an hour. So it's, you know, just the imbalance of how mm-hmm. many hours I put into the drawing side. It's kind of like, I just, I have been writing since I was a kid, but it's just only, only now in the past, maybe two years have I felt like I've reached a certain stage where I'm like getting, getting cooking, you know, it just takes, takes a long time, really. Like I, I wrote a lot of stories over the years and, but mostly it's almost even just also for myself. And then eventually found, I finally made the simplest, stupidest breakthrough where I'm like, this is like a conversation you have to have with a reader or else no one's going to want right. to read it. Right? Like yeah. you, have to, you can't just be doing it just purely because this is what I feel like drawing and writing, you know? So um, depending on, on how you approach it, depending on what you want out of, out of the project. But uh um yeah so like uh i'm not sure where i was going with that one but yeah just the the, the amount of uh of hours uh spent to to get good at this is uh is a lot oh yeah and it's, it's about the 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 dialogue it's just the i don't have to write that many words relative to the overall comic book so it's kind of like i feel like that's the thing that i need to kind of if i have the time like you were saying with the tracing paper it's like that's what i if i had a bit of extra time that's what i would dedicate towards i would just write dialogue 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 like like as an as a as a, mm-hmm. as a 
you know, like, like I was in class, like I was studying yeah. or something like that, like where I would just kind of write pages and pages and pages of it in the same way that I would just so much drawing has gotten me to a certain level of drawing. It's like, I need to put in more time with, with the dialogue and kind of figure out the dynamics of it and stuff. And, you know, I'm happy with it right now, but it's, it's one of those points where I'm like, I'd like to, you know, just the, you're always looking for things to improve on and you sure. can the art or the story. And that's one of those ones that I, I like to put a bit more time into. I think, well, it's, I mean, and I, you know, having come from the drawing side of everything, I get that because I think there's a sense of this sort of almost imposter kind of quality when you're like saying, Oh, I'm going to write this as well because like the storytelling aspect of, you know, drawing and writing aren't mutually exclusive and the Venn diagrams a big overlap. So you can really kind of like, you can get a lot of those 10,000 hours from the drawing side of it, but to, to apply to the storytelling on the writing side, but when it hits the the rubber of the road kind of thing of the, the dialogue, cause that's, that's the part that that's a part we know that the reader sees. Yeah. You know, because like, I mean, readers don't look at a page and go like a writer generated all this imagery like that's yeah. not how we look at it we look at it as those little balloons are the responsibility of the writer so i think when we we come from that kind of point of view we get really tight about what we're putting on those balloons yeah yeah for sure trying to uh it's like you said it's just like you need like it's, i have to write little notes in the side like what needs to be expressed here like just like in the drawing, it's kind of the same stuff. There needs yeah. to be an establishing shot. There needs to be, you know, like the dialogue needs to establish certain things. But then once you establish that, you can have, it has to be fun and it has to feel naturalistic and, you know, like all these, all these things. And it all has to be under the surface. It can't feel like you're, you know, it's got to feel like these are actual people speaking these words. So like, yeah, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of stuff there. There's a lot of stuff to be explored and examined. And that's like exciting to me though. Cause I remember when I was in, in college years ago at, at uh, Dawson college here in Montreal, like my, my drawing reached a certain point where I wasn't good yet, but I was getting better mm-hmm. each, you know, just cause you're in school, you're just studying it, you're studying it. So it's like every few months I'd look back and go, Oh, I'm like a little bit better than I used to be, you know? Um, and the art at a certain point reaches a level of satisfaction where you're working on smaller and smaller, like look, working at getting better at smaller and smaller things. Yeah, sure. Um, but generally you're pretty happy with where you're at. And it's like that with the writing where it's like, there's pieces that I feel are wonky right now, but it's also very exciting. Cause it's kind of like, I do feel like I'm on a, a pretty good track right now where if I put in the time, I'll look back a few months ago and go oh, I'm like, I'm a little bit better than where I was. So I, I find that's kind of, you know, that's the most exciting thing really is just getting better at stuff is, uh, is, is that's what keeps me going more than anything else really, you know, like I just want to try to kind of improve like year over year and eventually you get old and atrophied and that stops happening and that's going to be a bummer. But right now the, <laughs> you know, yeah. the adventure is still there for me. So that's, good. I think if you're excited, the atrophy gets, is sort of held back. I think the longer yeah. you can stay excited and engaged and open, I think if you can keep all three of those sort of like things in your, in your creative process, I think it allows you to, because like we're naturally adverse to you know to mistakes, mm-hmm. but like I think if you make take chances, you're going to make mistakes. And 
the chances or the opportunities for big improvements and surprises. So it's this kind of like, give yourself enough latitude to be a little risky and also, you know, work on your chops in the, in the same process. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How do you, so how do you approach the, your, your writing? Cause I mean, there's, you know, the old, the OG artist to writer model, which is, you know, panel out your, your pages and then turn that into a script. Do you think in those terms? I mean, you said you wrote when you were younger. Do you still have, do you think in a literal sense and then go that way? Um, what I, I generally, I mean, I was just writing this morning and uh, I, I write every morning. That's kind of my, my schedule is I, I drop, drop my, one of my kids off at daycare. Uh, my wife drops off the other, my other kid. And then I go to the coffee shop for just an hour or an hour and a half. It's not much, but it's like, you think of it over the course of a year and that's like a good mm -hmm. amount of time. That's, that's my writing time. You know, it's like, I never feel, I feel like I could just keep going and going. And then I'm like, Nope, at the page, the page of Kaya has to get drawn. So I got to get home and do that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I generally like, uh, I kind of divide it into, um, I, I do it by hand for one thing, just cause it, oh, it's cool. stupid, but I, well, for myself, it doesn't matter. Cause I'm just doing Kaya my, myself. I mean, I have a creative team around me, but I'm writing and drawing it. So I don't need to have it typewritten for, for an artist to look at. I just need to look at it myself. Right. Um, when it comes to doing that stuff for other other artists, that's the thing. I, I, I write it by hand. And then, and now like for another thing that I'm working on, it's like, I'm typing it up and I'm like, man, you really should have just like done this, just typed it originally. But I, I find that my ideas flow better when I have a piece of paper in front of me rather than a computer screen. I find it blank out a lot when yeah. I'm just staring at this glowing screen. It just, I don't know. I don't find it. Uh, I, it's no, I, to creative ideas. Get it. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I have two columns on the piece of paper and one column for what happens in the panel and the other column for dialogue. So sometimes I'll get going with a lot of dialogue and just continue on that and then fill in the the actions of what needs to happen on the page or or vice versa. Sometimes I just know, you know what I mean? If it's more of a mm -hmm. character driven type of thing, then, then generally the dialogue comes first where there's got to be a bit of a flow. And if it's more of a plot driven type of thing, generally it's a bit more like panel one, panel two, panel three, I break down the the actions of the page um and uh yeah like i'll write I, again it's much more descriptive when i'm writing for somebody else obviously but for myself generally i'll kind of write each panel what needs to happen and then i'll right. do a tiny, a tiny little um like the tiniest little thumbnail i can uh just so if i have to come back to the script a few weeks or a month or whatever later i'll i'll have a pretty good idea a good guy a good map for like what i have to do um, yeah. And then I do my thumbnails and then I do my pencils and then I do my inks. It's very, it's a bit too many steps, but I've just always been that way. Just, that's just how my, my, my brain is built that way where I, I need to have well, get that. a certain I, amount of stages. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, you know, I, I'd always admire people who are so capable of kind of like really kind of loosely blocking things out and being able to go into into it with more detail and that end so and I go, wow. <laughs> oh I know I, I get it. I mean it's this I go, man, how do you like how do you do it? But I think what it is is I think the going back to that giving themselves that sort of that latitude of, you know, making a mistake. Mm -hmm. I think I think that's where you I think that's where you can explore like you know on a creative level if you give yourself that ability to explore that little bit of unknown where it's not the safe zone where there's already a pencil line. Yeah. Um, I think that's maybe where that, 
you know, that cuneiform marking kind of comes from, like, because you're like, I got to invent something here. There's nothing, nothing down. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do. I still have a sketchbook and I do that in the sketchbook a lot. Mm-hmm. And when I come up with something that works really well, a quick, and that's what I do. Sometimes I'll see somebody at a stoplight and I'll do the quickest drawing I can of them before the, the light changes or whatever, as a oh, bit cool. of a, like a life drawing kind of a thing, like those five second poses where you got to like, you got to throw it all of your artsy stuff and just get the, get the figure down, you know? Um, <laughs> and also draw them before they turn around and look at you like you're a creep. Uh, <laughs> like, well, why are you drawing me? Get your, <laughs> what are you doing there? You know? Um, but uh, uh, I find that those that's, I can, I can do that that way. Cause sometimes I'll, I'll do that generally just straight to ink. Cause it doesn't matter. I'll, if there's mistakes and stuff for me, on, on that stuff. And sometimes, yeah, little, little interesting, little quick, uh, uh, shorthands will happen and I'll adapt that to the stuff, like to my actual work, mm-hmm. you know, if, if it looks really nice, I think that's the useful thing for the, for, for a person who's a, who needs to have those stages. I think having the sketchbook to make yourself a bit more free is like a good kind of, uh, yeah. kind of thing to, to just to free you up, you know? Yeah. I think, I think fine. I mean, like you're doing two things that I know that are sort of historically very, uh, strong, uh, builders in these realms, which is one, uh, writing freehand, which is super great for more free associative writing. Like it allows, like it allows you to just kind of like, because listen, we're, we're, we're manual creatures and that sort of tool in hand feeling on the paper is part of the sort of the human experience. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, that being said, I would never want to write my book longhand. You know, I would not want to write a novel longhand, forget that. But, yeah. um, <laughs> and the other thing is, is the sketchbook is the sort of that, that equivalent you know, because like the page is the page, man. Like this is a thing that, you know, because for me, it's like, this is the product. The product has to get done. It has to be good. It has to be consistent, blah, blah, blah. You know, that needs to be the, yeah. this thing sort of drilled in my, in my head. But you know, the, the sketchbook, well, there's an opportunity to do anything. Um, so I think they're both kind of good avenues for that kind of exploratory aspect of creativity without any sort of consequential you know, printing error. Yeah. It's just, yeah, you're able to be free. No one has to see it, do what you want to do on it. Yeah. I find that uh, same thing with the, uh, you know, with the script writing too. It's kind of like, I, I write little notes to myself and it's totally like, no one's ever going to see this. So I can just kind of go on and on about some tangent and get back to the initial thing that I, you know, the actual work of making the comic book. But sometimes you have to figure that out too. You're like, wait, this is a cliche. Why is it a cliche? You know, like what, what, what can you bring to it that makes it different? Or, you know, like you, yeah. I can go off on little things and which you can do when you're typing on the computer too. It's just, uh, yeah. Every time I've, I've always had that kind of roadblock there where I just don't find the ideas are coming fast enough. And that I'm sure that could get worked out over time. It's just that I, I, I like, you know, like yeah. the, the script that I, I was writing for another artist to do. Um, I, feel like I'm like, once I get enough into the project, then maybe I can, you know, where the ideas are solidly kind of locked in, then I mm-hmm. think I can start actually just typing out straight to computer and not like having to write it by hand. Um, and it's that way with the drawing too. Sometimes I need to just kind of do the little doodles in this, get in the, in the script first. Yeah. When I'm really flowing though, I do, I have the, my, my thumbnails right beside me and I'm, I'm 
writing it out and I'm doing the little doodle in the thumbnail. I've got the, I got the, the page layer is the thing. It's kind of like you come up with the images really easily, but how do you structure that into the page? That can be a bit more, you know, you have to actually really think about that. Um, but yeah, when I'm, when I've gotten enough work into when I, when I'm deep enough into the story, I find I can switch and be, be a bit more kind of, um, uh, like not loose, but just, uh, come up with that as, as I go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, there's this whole thing about the creative world about this, you know, the first, you know, get rid of your first thoughts, you know, you've already had them like that. That's the easy low hanging fruit, but in a business like comics, like the, especially on the drawing end, there's so little time to like really explore like you don't get that opportunity and like so those little thumbnail those little tiny you know blocky block thumbnails that will will cram down on sketchbooks or notebooks or sides of scripts those are the that that opportunity but it's so instinctual like the visual storytelling you know you just have to really kind of let that narrative kind of express itself in shapes as quickly as possible yeah for the eyeball yeah, it's interesting. That's I've heard it's like I've heard the debate of both sides. I've heard the say prank quietly on certain things where he's he does sketch, you know, sketch after sketch after sketch, trying to figure out the different um uh an interesting new way of showing something on the panel. And then mm-hmm. I've heard the John Romita, who probably I imagine you got it from his dad, where it's just like your best idea is often, like you're saying, is often your, your, your first idea, I should say, is often your best idea. Yeah. Um, I don't know. They both have kind of, they, they, I'm not sure which one is right. There's I don't think either one is necessarily there right. Is a right. Yeah. You're, like, you're going for a more experimental thing, like a Frank quietly, like, interesting panel layouts that you've never seen before necessarily like that's the way you got to do it you got to kind of push beyond just the, your first idea if you're a straight amazing storyteller like like john ramita and john like junior and senior then you you do often go with that first idea because that yeah. is probably the clearest the clearest way of expressing it to the reader you know do you have any do you have any memory of like some of the best sort of like storytelling dev- like advice like someone said hey think about this or try this like there was anything that stuck stuck um trying to think i can i can prime you with one for me if you need to some time to vamp yeah i have something to i have something but yeah tell tell me yours though because i I do so yeah one of my one of mine came from my mentor and he um and I mean, I was still, I think, in art school at the time. And he said, listen, make a list of all the stuff that's on that you need to have on your on your page and sort of block them into panels, like knowing what each panel kind of is needed, what is needed yeah. in here. And then for the scene, because you're, you're going to be in the same location for a scene, look at it all through your head as if you had like a mini camera. Mm-hmm. So move the camera around in your head. And then adjust every element that where you need it to be, and then have that camera angle that sort of tells all the story that you need to tell for the you know for these things. Because if you're in the same scene, you're not the locations don't typically change too much, so you can kind of move that camera in your head around. And I would I would actually just sort of top down diagram that. I'd be okay this 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 and this, and then I could kind of move my camera around and kind of lock off. Okay, that's going to be here. That's going to be there. That's going to be there. And then I could kind of go that route. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, that's kind of, it, it brings it to life too. If, it, if you really, if you really have that kind of an understanding of it, you know, like, mm-hmm. if you, it, like, I think that can help the, helps you make it real. And therefore, you know, the reader will feel that, that this is yeah. a three dimensional space, not just a bunch of like images. Um, I'm thinking uh, a lot of it's just looking at different artists. I think like, I don't think I've had too many, I didn't go to like the, the teachers I had when I was in college, they, they didn't really respect comic books. Um, it wasn't a comic book school. It was just the closest thing I could find to, Sure. you know, it was an illustration, um, uh, school and, uh, or, or, uh, program. Um, and a bunch of them, a bunch of the teachers were just old school style, like comic books are an art and all that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. Uh, but a lot of it is, yeah, just looking at different artists, seeing how they kind of structure, structure their pages, what I thought would be the best way to adapt that kind of stuff. Like, like going again to like Mike Mignola and Frank Quietly, two very different artists. And it's like, he has a way of kind of do, uh, Frank Quietly has a way of doing panels across the panel tier, like, like a comic strip. And it's like, um, which I think maybe he's more of a comic strip guy when he's growing up. And it's like Mike Minola right. has stacked figures on top of each other, which I think is much more of a Frank Frazetta, like a minimalist version of a Frank Frazetta painting where there's just like a person on top uh, in front of a bigger, you know, mm-hmm. some monster with an atmosphere behind, you know, it's more just building up the, the shapes in front of each other, black, white, black, white. Um, and just like stuff like that, just like, you know, reading enough of them to notice little tricks like that. And I was like, oh, that's a good way to, if you have to draw a really thin panel on the page, then go the Hellboy route where there's a bunch of things stacked on top of each other. Mm -hmm. If you have the space to do it across, or if you need to have, you know, stretch out the time across a tier, a, a panel or a tier, then go the Frank quietly route where it's a bit more like drawn out and you read it as your eye is going across the page, like little tricks like that, you know? Um, I remember when I was trying to get into comic books, I went, I think twice with me and my, my brother, uh, Drew Craig, he also, uh, he's writing and drawing his own series. I draw, write and draw Kaya right now. And he writes and draws a series called the savage strength of uh, Starstorm. Uh, both of them for image. And, uh, so yeah, but we've been like, I, he's my older brother. So I kind of was copying him when I was younger Awesome. and, uh, and we went to San Diego, like, uh, but I was a more obsessive about it for like, just got in like years earlier because i was when when we i started copying him drawing when we were kids and then eventually he didn't draw as much but i was still kind of drawing like a lot you know yeah. so i just ended up getting in professionally before he did um but i would be uh, yeah, i was obsessive about it so i would go we went to san diego twice before i got in professionally and i was in back in the day there'd be just cattle call like huge lineups in this like upstairs atrium area where mm-hmm. it would just be like dark horse and dc and marvel and all back in the day, like Antarctic press and, you know, like, just oh my like, God, yeah, like, wow. Caliber. There's a throwback <laughs> caliber and like all these publishers that don't exist anymore. I, I think I'm, some of them do, but you know, chaos, et cetera, all like 19, you know, 2000s or, or late nineties, early two thousands, I guess, kind of publishers. And I would just get in like every lineup with my portfolio, you know, and some of them were just massive and some of them were short and most of them were massive because <laughs> it was me and every other person from North America trying to get a job in comics, uh, drawing comics. Uh, and I talked to Mark Chiarello two years in a row, who was the art director for DC mm-hmm. comics. And he, um, nothing that I, you know, it's a very long time ago now, so not nothing exactly specifically, but he just gave me good reviews that I felt like th- that's what the kind of review you should give where it was like, 
tough but fair yeah you know like breaking it down but not breaking you down like you'll never make it kid kind of stuff just <laughs> like you you got to work on this 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 and this but this is working and this is working you just need to work on these these rough patches here where you know and and uh and he gave me like some compliments like there was speaking of which there was like a uh a world war ii scene where this guy was going up the stairs and uh, instead of showing him directly on the stairs or a side shot that would be would have been easier i showed the i showed like the staircase kind of um uh like the uh what's the word i'm looking for like through the bars it was okay. like shot through through the bars and it was like and it was kind of composing it around the image of the guy coming up the stairs with the gun mm-hmm. um, and he thought that was super cool oh, so i cool. held on to that for a very long time <laughs> he was like this this right here like you know everything else forget it it's garbage but it's like this right here this is pretty good like you could see it in his eyes he's like that was i haven't seen that before and maybe this kid has something like yeah. that kind of a thing so, you know, I held on to that for a very long time. It like, doesn't take much, man. Like it doesn't like, you know, the thing, that's the thing. Like if you could just like, I think really that's the key between people who do things and don't do things. Like there is at early enough of a point, they get enough encouragement from the right sources. Yeah. That keeps them sort of going, I'm going to keep going on this, on this quest, whatever it is. Yeah. And yeah. then ego will be fed on any oh, horse that's given, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, he, and, it, and it, and like I said, I mean, I mean, listen, I mean, I don't think there are far fewer people as competent to give critical feedback as Chiarello. Like he might For be sure. one of the, you know, he's in the top 10 of living people to give that, to give feedback when it comes to comic book artwork. Like he will, sure. and, sure. And effective stuff, not just like there are people who can draw better than him. Yes, but they may not be able to actually articulate what is necessary to get someone to go. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that's what it was. He and he had a he had like a uh, you know an eleven eight by eight and a half by eleven portfolio that he brought with him, and it was just it was it was like he was ready. He he mm-hmm. he knew what the job was. Other people he'd talk to, and they'd be like, oh boy, like they didn't want to be there. You know, right. they were like. I don't want to tell this kid. So they give you just the most rote bullshit kind of answer. And mm-hmm. it's like Chiarello, even though, man, the lineup was so huge. And it's just like, he's going to be so sick of giving these reviews. By the time I get there, I'm not going to get anything of value by the time, you know, by the time I sit down with him. And it was like, it was never true. Like he, he, he gave you interesting advice. He had a portfolio of examples. If he was looking for like, you know, just for example of like a, a page from somebody that he liked where there would be near shots, far shots, all the stuff that you do wrong. Some people do too many sure. close-ups, some people do too many mid shots, et cetera. People don't vary in a, up their their panels enough, like mm-hmm. stuff, you know, like all these novice mistakes. And he would give you examples like, well, look at how this guy does a super close-up and then a really far back and keeps it dynamic and, you know, like all these kind of things. And look yeah. at how this person uses shadow and light to compose the page and draw your eye around the page and all, all these kind of things. And, um, yeah, he was just kind of like, yeah, he was, uh, he was, uh, the, the best person I've seen do that for sure. He just knew how to talk to somebody, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know if he ever taught at SCAD or anywhere else, but it's like, it seems like he would be, he would be good for that, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't that language and not get frustrated with with stupid students and you know, like, yeah, yeah. Right. which as students we were all stupid. I mean, it's just the nature yeah, of the, totally. the the beast, which is why we're do, doing it. You know, we're just chasing this sort of like this unsort of quantifiable dream of whatever this art 
fascination is. So yeah, um, that's a huge part of getting in in the beginning is just a certain amount of ego because you have to, to a certain degree, think the stuff that I'm doing, even mm -hmm. now, like as a mature adult, it's like, you still have to have a certain amount of stupid ego that's telling you the stuff that I'm doing is good enough that other people need to see it. Like mm -hmm. it's kind of <laughs> totally in a way you're, that's what you're saying. You know, like other people are saying like, well, I got some good ideas, but nah, no one's going to want to see that. You know, yeah. like that's like the average person what they say to themselves. And meanwhile, we're a bunch of people going, no, but I really see things on a deeper level, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, or, or whatever, whatever it is. Um, there's that. And at the beginning, it's just, yeah, novice, like not, not being smart enough to realize this is kind of almost an impossible thing. You're sure. For. Maybe you should go for something a bit more realistic, you know? Uh, and I didn't even know, you know, I had very loving parents, but they were like, what are we going to do with this kid? Like, I don't think, you know, they, they just, they didn't, I, I wouldn't say they, I, I, for me, they did the best thing that they could have done is that they didn't, uh, in, they didn't encourage it. They were, they just, they, they didn't discourage it or encourage it. They, okay. they encouraged it by just not bugging me about it and just letting me do my thing, which is kind of like, everybody's different, but that's kind of what I needed. You know, it was just like, just cause I didn't need anybody else's, I, I didn't need motivation from anybody else like mm -hmm. at all like ever. Like I just, I just love doing it. It's a very obsessive thing. I'm to this day when, if I had a day where things are going wrong in my actual real life or whatever, it's like I sit down and I draw and it's like a meditative type of thing or whether I'm angry or sad or happy or whatever, I can, I can put that into the art and, you know, I find it very helpful at all times, you know? So, uh, so it's, yeah, I never, I didn't really need too much like, oh, you're doing a good job. Um, but it obviously it does help at a certain point, if you're doing it for years and years and no one has given you that, then that can make you second guess yourself. I'm sure, you know, oh, for sure. Yeah. So yeah. there are, there are those things along the way that, that let you know that you're, you're on the right path at least, you know? Right. And I mean, and that's, you know, in that regard, you know, you know, with, a, with someone like Mark, I mean, you are getting it from someone who is, you know, uni you know, universally respected. So it's not like, yeah. you know, I don't think I knew that at the time. Oh, I, I, really? Okay. I, I didn't know his work. Like I didn't realize that he was also, I, I was just obsessive about going, getting to know like every editor's name at DC and Marvel and Dark Horse and et cetera, et cetera. And like, I knew his name as the art director, but I didn't, I don't, I don't know for sure, but I didn't realize that he had done beautiful coloring jobs and he's an amazing painter and all these mm -hmm. things. I'm not sure if I knew that at the time. Um, I just knew him as the guy like two years in a row where I was like, Oh, it's this guy again. <laughs> you again. Yeah. yeah. Sweet. He's going to, hopefully he'll give me some more advice and give me a job this time. Which is super. I mean, listen, it also, you know, that consistency factor, like if you can keep, if you can talk to the same people th that shows a lot to the people who you're speaking with because they go, Oh, this, this guy didn't give up. This person yeah. has, you know, really is trying and doing something versus that one and done. The one and done is tough. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cause it's all about yeah. relationships. Like it's, this is not like, you know, we were talking at the beginning about like, you know, <laughs> my frustration with, you know, it, it, a major, a major, you know, international company, mm -hmm. but like, it's all about relationships and like, listen, I'm no big deal. Like, you know, doing this podcast, you know, but I really do enjoy, you know, the opportunity and time to talk with people because yeah. I, you know, if I was trying to get in the business, I would want to get in the heads of the people who are doing it as much as possible. And for me, I love hearing the ideas and how they come together in other people's sort of process. 
And, you know, I struggle. It's, it's the hardest thing is getting people to email me back, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, wow. I'm like, and I'm thinking like, it's a, this is a business, like, you know, being, you know, and like to me, even if it's like, Hey, listen, I'm too busy. I can't do this or whatever, or I don't do these things. Cool. That's fine. But it's just sort of like just out there in the void. And I go, wow. Like how, how do you, how do you keep this going? Cause like, to me, it's a matter of like, you gotta, you gotta keep your relationships up with it. And it's not like we're buddies. We're not, you know, like it's like, you know, you and I had a great meal and we had a good time talking and, uh, and I'm sure we'll probably have another good meal and talk in the future. Yeah. Well that, that, that helps obviously you build a relationship and then hopefully it's not just, it's like, oh yeah, this is actually like an enjoyable, that was, that was my, my favorite part of that particular heroes con is just sitting with you guys and just shooting the breeze, you know? Um, right. Oh, and that's, that, so that's the convention, Johnny, who was at dinner with us. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's, that's, it's the, it's the, that, that's the one that he's putting on. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, for sure. For sure. And it's also building up that stereotype of just artists being flaky. It's like, just answer your emails. You know I mean? <laughs> I, I, I do. I have had that happen recently where once in a while it takes me a while and I go back through and I go, oh man, I didn't answer this guy's thing. But then you right. know, as, as soon as you can, because it's kind of, it, no matter who it is, like, it's kind of like just, yeah. just for selfish reasons, as in like, you never know that person might be in a position to help you down the road or just being a nice person. Like, just don't be a jerk and don't leave totally. them hanging. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like it's, yeah. And I mean, and, and it goes, and it goes all ways. Like I get a lot of people asking to come on this thing who are just starting out like, Hey, I'm doing my first Kickstarter, whatever the thing is. And like, that's amazing. Yeah. You know, and I will write everyone back because I'm like, okay, here's, you know, here's the thing, you know, and I'll, I'll give them all, I'm not going to shine them on. Like, I'm just going to be straight up and forward because I figured, you know, once again, I don't like keep in touch, please, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, yeah. don't, you know, because I'm not look like I want, like you and I are going to talk about Kaya because you know, you shared the comic with me. I, you know, I was digging it, you know, from what I saw before you shared anything with me. And it's like, I want to, that's what I'm interested in talking. Obviously this is your livelihood, but you know, I, it, it's like, I, I like to see these sort of evolutions of people. So, um, oh, by the way, I don't know if I mentioned it, but you cover issue, the cover for issue two of her falling. Yeah. Yeah, it's like great, dude. One. It's great. <laughs> it's great. Speaking of that, that's an example of just trying to like, don't draw anything else. Don't draw anything else. It's mm -hmm. easier for me to do that for covers because I really think of those as being bold graphic design mm -hmm. like things, you know, like one image, like you got to see it from really far away. Whereas when you get into the interior of the comic, it's a bit more, you're trying to immerse a person in, in a world where it yeah. makes more sense to fill it with stuff. Right. But like on the, on the image, it's like on, on the, the cover image. Yeah. Um, sometimes leaving out the background is the best decision, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're, you're, Especially I mean, she's falling. So you're supposed to feel of, have, have a feeling of, of, you know, limbo or whatever. So sure. that, for that image and also, and it helps you be lazy. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Listen, I call that just being efficient. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you gotta get that, <laughs> gotta get that cover done, man. No, it's it's it, it was great. I mean, it, it just stands out. Like, and I think that's. I mean, obviously, that's the goal of a cover. You're attracting from across the room. Once you got that that book open, you're you're just you're in an intimate relationship. So, um, yeah, it's there's so many. Like, uh, you walk into the comic shop, and it's just. I mean, I know you know. It's like people that 
are into comics, they don't go to the comic book shop anymore. And it's kind of like, well, you kind of have to, I mean, it's just see what's going on right now, see how you can stand out. What, how can you can do something like the opposite of whatever the current trend is so that you stand out or, you know, it's just mm-hmm. like, seems like a wise decision. Like, a you know, movie director doesn't stop watching movies <laughs> once they get jaded and stuff. It's like, well, no, they're always going to watch movies. It's weird to me that when people are into comics and they don't, read comic books anymore it might be um, time i don't know like i mean time oh, like sure, you know sure. like it does cut into the, your, your opportunity uh you know to sit and read yeah. um like i went through the shop I'm just pick see. a few just pick people yeah. that you love forever and well, just, that's a, you know, yeah, that's like, the thing for the next chris ware or optic nerve or sure grant morrison whatever whatever your yep. thing is like just wait for that just follow keep following that person i guess you know, which is true to try to try new stuff out all the time and have it not be good like you get older, you get busy. Yeah, that's a bit of a tough one. I still do that, but I understand people being like, "I don't, I don't have the time to check that stuff out." Well, I so I I, I wear readers, you know, to to read and work on the computer, and I but I don't carry them around with me all the time. So when I go to the comic shop, rarely do I have them with me. So I can't really peruse. I can't go like, "Oh, let me see." Like, like I'm I'm be like, "Oh, this fuzziness looks fantastic," you know, yeah. like like I can read. The title, I can read who did the comic book on the cover, but after that, it gets a little dodgy. So um, I should bring them with me if I'm going to do a little, uh, you know, looky-loo. Yeah, for sure. You just get to see the hazy impression of like, well, that's a good cover because I actually see shapes there. Like (laughs) (laughs) there's a bold black and a bold green. I'm going to get that one. Sold. Um, So Kaya, like what was your, what was the... uh, what was the foundation lightning bolt? Was there a lightning bolt event for you? Like where you were like, Oh, wait a minute. Or were you, were you sketching a, a, a homeless person pushing, you know, from your car and uh, saying that person look like, looks like a mountain barbarian. I'm going to, I think, uh, man, it's a, honestly a long time ago. I, I pitched it, not Kaya and Jin, the, the main characters, but the world of more or less the world they inhabit. Mm-hmm. Um, which is like a fantasy world. I had a pitch that I gave to Image, literally like I don't know, like twenty, like more than twenty years ago. So long ago, before I got in professionally in any capacity, and it was these three gods that were kind of a play on like Odin and Thor and Loki. That mm-hmm. those three gods, the kind of you know the the father, the strong, the strong man, and the trickster, uh, that kind of dynamic. Um, one or two of those characters might actually eventually make their way into Kaya, but they're kind of like, that's what that that's from way back in the day. And, but they weren't really characters. They were gods. They weren't, you know, like it, it took me a while to realize like, Oh, it needs like, I don't know. It just needs like real people to go through this world. And, uh, I, again, it's so long ago. Like, I don't remember the exact details, but it's kind of like Kaya tomboy type character i've always liked those characters i've Mm -hmm. always liked those women that i've that i've met in in life they're just kind of tough you know tough and smart you know like uh i've always uh, always had good relationships with uh with those with those kind of people and i think it's a combo of that and at one point there's like this well what what drives her on in in the story Mm -hmm. it's kind of like when you don't know exactly the specifics, you can say, okay, it needs some kind of a MacGuffin, some kind of a thing that she needs to get to or get or whatever. And eventually that, you know, I was like, well, what if it's a person instead of a, 
you know, instead of an object or whatever, what if it's a person and that kind of became Jin mm-hmm. and Jin is like the thing that she needs to accomplish her task. She needs to get her little brother Jin to, uh, to safe Harbor. Um, and that, that was kind of the start of it. And I, I like those kinds of stories. Like the lone wolf and cub is like one of my favorite, yeah. uh, favorite stories. And just, you know, the, it's like the, the grizzled veteran, delivering the innocent child to safety but it's like but in this case the grizzled veteran is like a 13 year old girl like <laughs> it's right. just she's like a tiny little conan you know yeah. and that's kind of how i think of her she's just like a doesn't say too much likes to fight <laughs> you know that kind of a thing um and she has the skills but she's like it, her, my original version of her was an adult badass basically and then i was like well what if she has those skills but she's a kid so there's still she's not just like able to handle anything that comes her way. She's right. still, she's still kind of a child. So it's like that, that builds a lot of tension, a lot of, a lot of obstacles in, in her path, you know, just not being, she's learned as much as she can, but she's still just a kid. So I, I thought that would be a, it, it, that's one of those things. It's like slow. This is talking about over the course of a few years, you know? And mm-hmm. then uh, when I was working on deadly class, that's when I really, st- and that, that took like nine years or so uh, working Deadly class was like around for like nine years and I was writing a few different things. And that, that was one of the things that I was writing and just building up and building up like story arc after story arc to the point now where I have quite a few, like I'm, I'm, I'm working on the fourth story arc and I'm finishing, I just finished drawing the second one. So it's like, it's, I've been working and building it up quite a bit. Um, so that, cause I knew that that would be the, the thing I wanted to do after deadly class was done. I was like, as soon as deadly class is done, I want to hit the, hit the ground running with this next thing that I'm going to write and draw. And, uh, I just want to have as much, again, not being able, not being the type of person that can fly by the seat of their pants. I was like, I need it. I need to have this story in place yeah. and I need to know where I'm going or else I'm just going to, it's going to be kind of tortured to, to just try to figure out that stuff as, as we go along. And, and it's like, I've got things that I want to happen at the end and I do, and I want to be able to not have it feel like I'm coming up with it. You know, like I, I want it to yeah. feel like a whole, I want you to go back and read the first few issues and see the end and say, Oh, I think he actually might've planned this, <laughs> you know? Like, right. Right. Well, I, yeah. Laid some of these seeds, you know? Oh, so. dude, I, I, you read so many things and you go, they're just kind of riffing here. Like I, 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 and it's, it's really tough because I, you know, there's so limited real estate in a comic book that like everything is so important. And, yeah. You know, like the, the, you know, the most important thing of any story is the ending. Like, how do you, how do you land the ending? Ending's so yeah. crucial. So if you don't know your ending, you know, in a proposed series, it's going to like, it's going to be really tough. I mean, maybe, maybe you come up with some like, you know, whoa, I got it. I figured it out, which is great. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. But rare. it's, yeah. But like, you have to, you have to have like the opener has got to be engaging. It can't be self indulgent <laughs> like it, it has especially if it's new like if like if like they said hey wes uh we want you to do a insert notable superhero character that everyone knows and loves you don't have there's no luggage for you like you got it like i don't have to teach anybody anything about this i can just get into a story i can do yeah. whatever i want because you already have a lot of borrowed interest because of this character but yeah, when it's like your new thing it's like everybody knows who superman is you sure. got it. like you can you can hit the ground running for sure yeah and and they don't know you necessarily as a writer that's yeah. one of the other thing too i was like they don't they know me as an artist they don't really know me as a writer so like yeah that, not being self-indulgent especially to begin with i was thinking about that a lot is just like just get to it 
they start off in in like the first issue there's already like they're starving so it's like you start <laughs> you get the yeah. drama in there right away and get it going you know and next thing you know there's these lizard riders they're running from it's just like i wanted everybody to be like too late you're already reading it you know <laughs> like, <laughs> suckers you can't get it down now it's the drama's yeah. already happening so you got to see what happens you know don't just don't expect them to be there uh unless you really and there's a lot and you and you you're and like these are sort of like kind of bold like you have a big bold stroke here's the goal you know, we got to get the tears lean, you know, that kind of like, okay, we, this is what we're doing. We're going to take this baby and we're going to go to tears lean and it's going to solve the world's problems. And, but then it's like, then you have your sort of secondary, like middle brush strokes, which are these, they're starving. Okay. Like, and, and so, th- so we have sort of motivations, you know, that are, there's, that are, that could derail us, you know, like, Oh, wait a minute. If we go this way, there's guaranteed food. If we head this direction, you know, and that's a, yeah. that's a tough thing to, to, to overcome, but then you're seeding all these great little character moments, you know, that are reinforcing who these characters are in their actions and choices in these little interstitial elements that are happening within these mid stroke, you know, actions. Yeah. Does it make sense? Yeah. 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 That's kind of, um, yeah, just finding little pockets, right? Like mm-hmm. where it's like there's plot, 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 and then there's a moment at the end of the first issue where it's a bit more like they're sitting down, and that's a moment uh, to kind of, you know, show a bit more character-driven stuff. And it's tough too because it's like you know it starts off with like Jin is a brat and Kaya is always yelling at him because he's a, he's a brat, so she seems just like like a just a grumpy thirteen-year-old. And I'm sure. like, okay, so this is tough because I hopefully hopefully the reader sees enough humanity in them that they know that this is where we're starting, but we need to start in a tough spot to slowly kind of morph these characters over time and have them learn from what they're going through, you know. Uh, like Jin is not as much of a jerk in the uh, second and third arc. No. He's, he, I'm putting yeah. him through through his paces, so he's okay. he's learning some stuff about life, you know, really quickly. Well, he and, and he does like he, you have it. So. Yeah, you have him learning stuff pretty quick. Like you you, you know yeah, he sort the, of sees like like because he's he's battling that impulsive want aspect of things. You know, mm-hmm. I want this, so I it's it, let, let's have it. And this immediacy yeah. has to be tempered with reality. Yeah. And that kind of comes like, hey, you know, side, you know, quick note. I mean, if you want, maybe you can just put a like a Joy Division T-shirt on Kaya and people will really figure out who she is right away. <laughs> you, think, you think she's very emo? Yeah. <laughs> That's a proto emo, man. That's like there wasn't even the, yeah. there wasn't even a thing. That's um, true. Yeah. Well, I mean, the lizard writers wear like punk stuff. So oh, I they're total. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. one of my one of my things that I'm like stuff. It, it happens on Earth, but mm-hmm. so far in the future that it it resembles you know the ancient past like Babylon and stuff like that. But there's little pieces of our tech that's still left over, and pieces of like like lizard. Some of the lizard writers of it. It's like they found a treasure trove of like like some <laughs> old punk store, and that's like what became their fashion. You know, what's so, it? What's that? What's that movie with um? It's not easy. It's the one that predates Easy Rider. It's the one with uh, Marlon Brando. The wild isn't that the wild. Uh, not the wild. One? Yeah, I'm not sure if it's the yeah wild the wild one. one. Yeah, like like they found that. Like they yeah. found an operating laser disc machine and that, and that's <laughs> it. You know, like this yeah. is it. The template. 
Yeah, that's what I would. Uh, it's one of those ones where I'm like, am I ever going to explain that? I'm not sure because I feel like there's a there's a treasure trove of Kirby comics that the human the tribe of humans found, and they based some of their stuff around it. And <laughs> it's it's stuff that I just for my own amusement I put it in the background. I'm like, the maybe, whole, maybe that'll world be of fashion. Yeah, just put some circles and zigzags on our stuff, and it'll look cool. Why not? <laughs> I, you know, I and hey, you know, if anybody from the NFL is uh, listening, maybe just uh, one of your team should have a totally Kirby designed outfit. I think that would. Uh, oh my god, that'd be amazing! Wouldn't it be cool? <laughs> that would be so cool. It would look so it's rad. Under, it's underused, and uh, hey, there's nothing, uh, nothing the world likes more than just taking Kirby stuff and making <laughs> repurposing stuff it, and not, and not giving the family money for it. So. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Listen, we'll give them some season tickets, maybe. I want so bad to just put like a Kirby design on my cell phone and be like it's some other box, you know? Like it's just like there's so many like possibilities out there for those designs. Those designs are super cool. Oh, they're totally cool. It, 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 yeah. yeah, I mean, once again, it's going. I mean, it's it. It's like the Beatles, man. Like it's this thing, and it's just ever. It's evergreen and ever influencing. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, and like you were talking about, like that. You know that ancient world aspect and it's so cool because you just have all these things in the you know in the environment and you know i'm like what what is that like (laughs) like, they're just standing on it and they're not even talking about it like you know and i'm just but i i'm like i get it like i totally get it i'm like is that a flying saucer i think that's a flying saucer you know like (laughs) there's all these kind of little elements that i i keep you know grabbing on to and it's 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 very cool because I don't know if you know, there's a, there's a podcast. It's been a, it's a hardcore history with Dan Carlin. Yeah. He's been doing it forever. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, 20 years or something like that. And, um, you know, he was talking about, he's like, I was thinking about the people in, should I do my Dan Carlin voice? No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but he's, he was talking about like the people in, fr- you know, in France, pre-France, France. And, how after the fall of the Roman Empire and like, you know, fast forward 300 years and there are these people living nearly caveman life, you know, level technology because the industri- the industry of the, you know, the Roman Empire is gone. But yeah. all of the things that they built, the roads and everything are still the there. Roads, the roads, aqueducts, but they're all just covered yeah. with crap. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there's no, there's no book saying that's what this is. They're just living and going like, I have no idea what this is around us. Like, but we, we stand under this thing when it rains, you know, like it's just, and it's this really interesting thing of like how we, because while we on a curve live at the apex of human society, like that's how, that's how human existence is. We live at the apex of it on a curve. Doesn't mean it's always, it's not a linear thing because the empire falls and all that knowledge that is sort of spread out there, all that wealth, all that stability goes away. So yeah. we as humans go, we had fire. <laughs> like grandpa <laughs> knew how to make fire, but he died. And now we don't know how to make fire. Like, I mean, it, it's this kind of weird thing that happens in time. And I'm sure it'll happen again. And, you know, it's, it's so it's great to think of these pockets. And like what you've done is you said, I'm going to put this world of the story in this pocket of time where they don't have a direct connection to all these things in the past. And they're just trying to fight for their existence 
but there's a greater kind of magic, you know, that's in, in the in this world, which is makes it a point of interest versus just this sort of like, I'm just walking along looking to eat a lizard, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, you got it. That's what I'm going for, for sure. Not to talk about it too much, you know, just yeah. have it there. But yeah, it comes from like a, there was, I think the biggest influence on that was like, um, not the biggest, but I mean, I was watching one of the episodes of Game of Thrones and uh, Tyrion Lannister. I don't, I don't know if you watched Game of oh, Thrones. Oh yeah, sure. Tyrion Lannister is going through, they're going through um, old Valyria and mm-hmm. like there's attacked by the stone men and stuff and uh and they're looking at what used to be this great civilization and now it's crumbled and it's like to me it looked like skyscrapers and i was like oh are they implying that this this earth mm-hmm. and then it's like i just you know your your creative brain just goes on and on a tangent you go like well what if i did that you know and i've seen there was um like as, as do you know what i'm saying as in and that's yeah. kind of what it is for our thing is that the the ancient past for kaya is like what we think of as like Atlantis or something like, sure. Oh, this ancient place that had technologies we don't, we wouldn't even understand today and stuff. And that's kind of what like our world is to Kaya's thousands and thousands of, I don't even know that, that I haven't put an exact number on, but mm-hmm. so far in the future that everything that we have is pretty much like crumbled except, except for some of our biggest, you know, structures and stuff. And like you said, like aqueducts and Hadrian's wall and all these things that are still there and people just didn't understand like how is this so well built and it's like most of them are still standing to this day and, right everyone's in a wooden hut can't, yeah can't fathom it and it's like uh, I saw also like there was a version of the original that Arnold Schwarzenegger Conan movie where originally they were going to show like it's written by Oliver Stone as far mm-hmm. as I understand yep. and they were going to show a map of our current world and then the map was going to morph into like oh, very Ibori, cool. Iboria, where it was like, and, and so it's implying that the same thing, implying that Conan doesn't happen in the ancient past. It actually happens in the distant, distant future. Wow. And I just, I just like that idea. I just, and they didn't go with that. You know, they went, they went with the original source idea where Iboria and, and all of this, all the, all the, all his, his adventures happened, you know, thousands and thousands of years ago. Um, and there's something else too. I was thinking, oh, like there's the Mushroom War and Adventure. Adventure Time is like a big uh, influence on it too. And there's this thing called the Mushroom War. So it's like a kid can watch it and not get freaked out. But to an adult, clearly they're talking about a nuclear war. Mm-hmm. So it's like uh, uh, calling it the Mushroom War just makes it sound super cute. But it's yeah. really actually kind of terrifying. You know? Sure. So, uh, so yeah, so I did you know, a bunch. I just, I guess I've just seen that in a bunch of different things and just always thought that was, it always caught my attention. I was like, yeah, was Planet just, of the Apes. You know, Planet of the Apes. Things go so yeah. far in the future that they look like the past. It's just always yeah. been a fascination. That's kind of what it is too. Is the Planet of the Apes? It's like I really wish there was other structures that were more like, like, like you. I, I can never do the Statue of Liberty, <laughs> no, right? Sure, <laughs> right. Know? But I don't want. But there's no other structure that is as cool and human looking. It's like I can, I don't want to yeah. do you know the Eiffel Tower or the you know I'm like thinking of other structures and there. There's some of them. Like in at the end of the the second story arc, there's like a hammer and sickle, which implies maybe where things oh, okay. are happening and that stuff, you know. But it's kind of again, I don't show it like I don't put I don't hang a hat on it, a lantern, a hat, you know. It's just yeah. there. Yeah. There's it's it's the it's the stage setting for us for a big scene, a big fight. Um, but that's kind of the impression, you know. Hold on a second. <laughs> Got someone. Buzzing in my front door, but I'm sure it's you know a package or something like that. The you like know protecting 
dog is barking away. <laughs> hey man, gotta you gotta get your security, keep it tight. Um, yeah. And it's, you know the other thing that's super interesting is because of that, but you have this, you know, mystical magical kind of aspect in there, which yeah. changes the dynamic because we don't live in a world of magic. So, yeah. but it's like there's inference of like like you're saying the super far flung far far flung future, yeah. and that idea like okay something happened <laughs> from now. Yeah. To then, which really is that sort of big, huge question mark that's just floating in there. Yep, <laughs> that's gonna get. Uh, that'll get. Ex- I, I won't. I wouldn't say explained, but that'll get uh, drawn out and you know, kind of f- filled out more over the next you know few few issues for I, story arc. It's it's cool, man. I, I I was reading it. My mom, my wife is not a big fan of um, uh, devices in in the bed and so yeah. but i was reading them on the ipad because i'm like you know they were digital so i'm like sitting there reading i'm like you got to read these like i think you're gonna love this stuff because like she ha- like i have to i kind of know like what she would be into like i she likes the uh you know she likes that that sort of rough and tumble uh female protagonist kind of character um i think you know it, it's funny i think a lot of us who were you know and and everybody i guess since who were the adopters of manga you know characters mm-hmm. from manga that you know your 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 dunans and your you know all the characters like from shira you know shira his stuff like he's all yeah. has these very sort of like scrappy protagonist female characters and they're like they're they're very prototypical of what we have today, you know, there's like this, this sort of highly competent, independent, you know, proactive female lead. And yeah. Yeah. So like, I think from that point, we get a lot of really interesting characters, you know, down this, this wellspring. You mentioned that you're working on a script writing for somebody else. Is this the first script writing for another artist? Uh, no, I did. Okay. I did something called the Gravediggers Union. I've heard uh, of that. Maybe halfway through Deadly Class, okay. I wrote that for uh, Toby Cypress was the artist, and uh, again that was that was through Image. So yeah, that was the first thing. Um, uh, but it's been quite a while, you know. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm working. I've got a few different, a few different things that that's kind of takes up a ton of time, but I'm like. I basically I've written out the script for the first like four issues of, uh, again, going back to that thing. I can't just fly by the seat of my pants. I need mm-hmm. to have it. I can't just do the one issue or, or just some people would do like five pages and pitch it to image. And if they accept it, they'll write the whole issue. It's like, I can't do that. I got to know that I have somewhere to go that it's actually worth doing a little bit. And, and to do that, I need to fill it out a little bit more, fill out the world and see where it takes me. Um, so yeah, I, I, I like the idea quite a bit and I'm just, uh, talking to an artist right now. So that'll be, yeah, that'll be the second thing that I've ever like written for somebody else to draw. Um, and I've got a few other concepts too, but it's just like, there's like two factors, just time factor. It's just working on Kaya takes up a ton of time and, uh, and just like a money factor really is just, Mm -hmm. I would probably pay the, the artist out of pocket. So it's kind of like, it's not like I can 
pay this artist and that artist and you know <laughs> just get like five comics going at a at the same time it's kind of like one i just gotta take it one one comic at a time um and just see how they do you know yeah well you built you, you yeah you you can't just bum rush you know eurasia you've got to take over one city city at a time you gotta <laughs> you know you gotta move along but it, i think it's like you know, because you know, we were going, we were talking earlier about the the sort of the these the thumbnail script writing technique. You know, that art of artists. And I my first writing gig was my first drawing gig at Marvel. It was just really dumb circumstance. Oh, so wow. I had no choice but to write a script. Like I had to deliver something that was on paper with all the all the panels and all the pages and that kind of junk. Yeah. So I didn't have that. I didn't have the luxury of you know, sample writing where I'm like, okay, here's my idea for a four page story and blah, there you go. And I, it was a great exercise in that sense because I, I, I couldn't hide and couch behind anything. I had to show everything on the, on the page. It wasn't great. I, I straight up, it wasn't great. And, um, Dan slot ended up scripting all the stuff because Dan had a better sense of humor on page than I did. So my story okay. and Dan's funny words work together, but <laughs> I, it, it's really funny. Cause like I've written a couple of comic books recently for other people and it's yeah. really an interesting thing how, I mean, it is the most important thing to do if you're a writer, even if you're writing your own stuff is write for other people because you have to put it all on the page. You can't go, well, yeah. I know what's going to happen here. Like you have to tell that you have to communicate to the writer or the, the artist and make sure your communication will be the communication that is ultimately speaking to the reader. Like it's, this, it's a, it's, it's transversing, you know, these two sort of spans. Yeah. Um, but I also found that I put a lot of stock in the artist and what they, what they could do because it wasn't me writing of like, okay, this goes here, this goes here, this goes here. Very, you know, Alan Moore-esque of like <laughs> yeah, yeah. curating the shot. But, it, yeah. you know, it was it was an interesting thing of saying, okay, I just kind of assume whoever is going to be sitting and drawing this is going to do it like how I would do it. Not draw it the same way, but they would have the at least the same sense of confidence in like putting a page together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd like to talk to each artist that I work with and kind of like, it never really happens this way, but it's almost, it's like, what do you, what do you like to do? Do you, right. what do you get an enjoyment out of? What, what's your thing? If you like designing pages, then I'm just going to shut up and give you the bare minimum of what, what you need to know that has to happen on the page and let you just, I won't tell you the camera needs to be here or panel needs to be here, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Cause I used to get, you know, I'd get a bit of that with, with uh, working with Rick on deadly class and that I wouldn't listen to it very much, to be honest. I, <laughs> I, I never changed anything that he wanted on the on the page. I don't think, but it's like in terms of like this is this is a long shot, or this is like uh, this happens across the tier. It's almost like I'd have this rebellious aspect of my brain that would just be like, I'm not gonna. It's like by you saying that, it's almost like I don't think I'm gonna do it that way, right? <laughs> just because I felt like that was my job, you know. I don't mean to. I mean, we had an amazing working relationship, like so good, and he was very, 
included me in every aspect and he'd call me up and we'd talk through things like, like talk through story beats. Maybe if they weren't working, we would talk them over and stuff. He's actually mm-hmm. a guy that I was inspired by in terms of he is able to, to come up with things in the moment, which I find hard to do. Like, it's just like, he's built that way and I'm built this way. Um, right. But, but in terms of, yeah, him kind of saying like things about the, the page, it's like, I would just want to do it the way that I see it in my head. And that's something that I kind of, I'm, I'm trying not to be a control freak because I draw also, it's like, I'm trying not to be a control freak and, and dictate exactly what should be in this image and where the camera should be. And mm-hmm. that's very tough. It is tough. I'm, I'm recopying these handwritten notes right now for the first issue. I just finished off like the more proper, like, like script written in the computer, like, like version of it. And at first, a lot of the panels had, you know, like before I even described what happens in the panel, I would have the camera kind of, kind of like the notes, like, like mid shot side, mid, yeah. mid shot, side shot. Um, uh, I wouldn't necessarily do the panel frames, like how, what I wanted the, the sure. Right. To look like, but in terms just of a camera, bit of the uh, shrubbery on the right side of the bed. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, like I didn't want to, you know, and, and I ended up taking a lot of that out in the, on the second pass. Cause uh-huh. I was like, they're going to enjoy doing this themselves. Like, I don't think, I don't think they need this stuff and mm-hmm. they're going to, everybody has their own aesthetic too. Like you can't dictate, like you can't shoehorn in your aesthetic into their aesthetic. Like they're going to, they know what looks good and they know what they can draw. Well, if you give them nothing but side shots and they hate drawing side shots, it's going like, to suck. It's going to suck. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of, you know, you, you, they're, that's an interesting thing being the writer and then being the artist and then being the writer artist, you get to see these different aspects of it. And it's really like, it's all about like keeping the excitement of the artist is key, you Mm -hmm. know, like, especially for a monthly ongoing series where month in month out, they can't, you have to try so hard to make sure they don't get burnt out on the work. Cause it is like, it's an awesome job, but it is every day trying to keep that, keep the motivation high every day is kind of one of the toughest aspects of like, Oh yeah. I can't wait to draw this page. That's impossible to do day after day, month after month, year after year. So you have to give them as much juices. And that's what Rick did for me on deadly class. I think is that he knew that I was into messing with the page compositions and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. That's one of the things that gave me a buzz. So it's like, he would step back and like, give me that room to do that. And I'm sure he, he would find those things in the other artists that he would work with, whether it be Matteo Scalera or whoever else. And like, well, what do they get into and make sure that they have that, you know? So, that was a lesson that I learned there, but it is, it's hard when you really see the visuals very clearly in your head, it's a little bit hard not to. It's like, super tough. Direct, you know? it, it, listen, I think it, I mean, it's super tough. Like, so one person I've been writing for, for a little while was very much wanted. He, like he was trans. He's transitioning from having someone who was writing with him, who was actually doing layout breakdowns for him, like really rough. Like here's what the page is here with the pages. And he would then draw the page. And I think he felt like he needed that, but then something happened on a project and somebody wasn't kind of coming through on something. And he ended up having to like take my script and create pages from these, the script. And he called me. He's like, I'm like, I'm having the best time because he wasn't supposed (laughs) to draw it. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool. So then when we worked together, I was giving him these like mid shot close up, you know, wide angle, like at the, at the beginning. But then as the later scripts happened, I was just 
I was just baking the pages. Like I'm writing what's here's what's happening on the page. Yeah. And giving him, you know, and I'm trying to work it towards where it, it's much more old school Marvel style with very, yeah. very little sort of s- specific direction. I need you to tell me, tell the story the way you want to tell the story. I'm going to tell, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to create a story. You tell it the way it needs to be told. I'll make it sound good at the end. Yeah. I want to be able to, that's a, a thing I'm trying to figure out too, is just to, it's like, I need to put a note beside it every time I do this, but I, I say it's, there's a, a scene happening in a room. I want their job to be easy. So I, and I know what I see in this room, the, the room create helps, helps inform who the characters are and stuff mm-hmm. like that. You know, if it's, if it's the, the, the owner of the room is the person in the scene, then it's like, well, you can fill it with stuff that tells you a little bit about this person. And I like, I want to like give them a bunch of stuff, right. but I don't want them to be like, it's like, I have to write a note at the end of each thing being like, you don't have to put almost any of these things in the scene. You put in what you want to put in, but I'm just filling you. I'm giving you as many ideas as I can. Cause if you need, if there, if you think there needs to be a bookcase behind this one panel, then here's some of the books they would have, or, you know, like, mm-hmm. or not, you know, like kind of like just you take it or leave it. Um, but I, I like doing that. I like kind of filling it with ideas of stuff that'll just visually kind of interesting stuff, but it's, uh, but it, it seems like, you know, when you're reading again, coming from their artist's point of view, when you look at a script from somebody else, you look at it and you think every thing they put in there is something that they need you to write to, to, to include in the art. Sure. But it's not necessarily true. You know, generally it is true, but not necessarily true for me. It's not true. It's just like, I, that's where the Alan Moore Watchmen type of thing comes in where I'm like, I want to give a bunch of stuff and you just kind of take it. And generally I do that where it's like not in the panel description. I just have a little header thing at the top of the script where I'm like, here's some stuff that you can put in there right. or not. You know? And then I do the panel breakdowns of like, panel one, panel two, panel three, with some basic descriptions in there, you know? Well, it's like, it's like almost like a, it's like a setting kind of thing or a mood kind of thing, like mood boards rather than like, this isn't the design, but here's the mood board of what the, what we're going for with whatever we're designing here today. And that's kind of what it is. Yeah. Sometimes it's not clear in your head and sometimes it is. Sometimes you're like, this scene is green. This scene is red, sure. you know, like there's like colors or music or whatever. Yeah. Sometimes things, and in the artwork too, I'm doing a bunch of pages where I'm like, where's the light source in here? And I'm like, I'm not sure, but you know, my Joy Jason Wordy will come up with something brilliant. I'm sure, you know, you don't necessarily have to have everything fil- figured out all the time, but, um, but when you do, I think it helps, you know, it helps with bringing, like you were saying with the camera, kind of that upside shot of this is where everything is in yeah. the scene. You just wanted to make it, make it as three-dimensional as possible for not just for the reader, but for your, for your partner, for, you know, like for the artist, for everybody who's working on it. Yeah. And it's and it, and it, what you were talking about with Rick. And I think that is the great challenge of being a scriptwriter for comic books is that you're really having to fine tune every script for the person who is the people who are creating the artwork for this, because it isn't very, it's just, I mean, yes, you can have a generic, this is the script and whoever draws it will have the blueprint of what they need to do. Yeah. But being able to, like I went, I did a book for dark horse and Keith Giffen was the writer, but Keith writes comic books on, on copy paper with a felt tip pen and draws a six panel grid every single page. So every page is a six panel grid of his story, maybe some dialogue, 
you know, he's just writing some notes and that's what you get. And, but he's like, it doesn't have to be this. Like you can make it the way you want to make it. This is just a story. It's a visual tool for him too. I'm sure just to help figure out how much can real estate age and stuff like that. Yeah. Real estate. Yeah. It's funny. Manning actually working with Matt Manning on like Batman strikes. That's some of the first comics I ever did was working with Matt Manning. He would do a lot of, um, of, uh, strict, pretty strict grids and, uh, and, you know, you see like Tom King does that nowadays. And uh, obviously it comes from, you know, Alan Moore and then Steve Ditko and Jack Kirby back in the day would do a lot of grids and stuff. It's very, and uh, it's very useful, but it's tough to dictate that to somebody I found. Yeah. It's like, cause it makes it, it can, it can constrict you pretty bad. Like trying to fit in a whole scenes worth of stuff in a, in one panel of a six by six <laughs> like, like structure can be really tough, you know? So that's, that's uh, but it, it creates like great things. You can create great rhythms and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like I find it, it's the, some of my favorite comic books, stray bullets and stuff. A lot of them are use very strict uh, grids, but a lot of the times that's a writer artist that's telling themselves to do, to do that. And, and that's know? Matt. I mean, Matt went in to be a, an artist. So, I mean, he's, he is coming from a very visual point of view. Yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. I mean, really also that's the thing too, like the, all of the best writers in comics, like they all started off as either artists or writer artists, like Remender started off that way. Brubaker started off that way. Graham Morrison, Alan Moore, like, you mm-hmm. know, like go down, go down the Matt Manning, go down the line of uh, a bunch of like people that have a very strong visual sense. And that's, that's where they get it from, you know, yeah. they just, they, yeah. just, they can see it in their heads. And, uh, some of the worst experiences that I've had very few bad experiences, but just in terms of like looking at a writer, I remember a writer that I worked with and they hadn't worked in comic books before. And it was just like all the same, you know, trying to show more than one thing. Yeah. The page, there was a main character that I couldn't wait to draw. And it's like the character was in like three panels in costume. Oh, and, you really? know, the rest of plotty stuff and i was wow. like oh, Jesus, <laughs> like, come on, man. Like, give me, you know, it's just not all the things that you're it's that example of like, like keep the artist excited because you're writing the script. Maybe it takes you a week, two weeks, whatever, however long it takes you to do the script, but they're doing it for a month, five weeks. Mm-hmm. So keeping their motivation high is like, you know, is pretty important. Yeah. And what's self-indulgent for the writer is not self-indulgent for the artist. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it, it's okay. Well, I, I guess I got to do this versus like, Oh, I can't wait to tell everybody my, my brilliant idea here. And that's a, so it's, it's a tough thing. I mean, there's a lot of responsibility, you know, in the writing process, which might not be so apparent and obvious to most people, um, you know, stepping into those shoes. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's an interesting collaboration for sure. It's just, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, um, it's very like that's the thing too though is that you got it you uh, if you any writer worth their salt they're gonna have their own their own way of doing things too so it is kind of tough to you can't completely switch it to each artist like mm-hmm. you still have to have if you don't have a voice then like what are you doing like you do right. have to have kind of your own voice but I guess just yeah I don't know there's little there's tweaks I guess it's more like you got to tell the story that you want to tell or else it's not worth telling <laughs> you know totally like you can't I don't know the the thing of like people creating stories 
just so that they can work with an artist. Like I'll just create whatever you want to draw. Like I, <laughs> sure. that's awesome. But I, I don't think I could do that personally. It's gotta be something that I'm, that I think I can get something interesting out of it for myself too, you know? Um, but seeing what they do and seeing when they're really killing it and when they're not killing it in their art, it's like that, that's something to keep, keep taps on, you know, it's well, kind of like, Oh, they really like when they get to draw this type of scene. So it's maybe your metric. you don't change it completely, but you tweak certain things so that you can up those things, maybe a few more pages of this thing rather than, and I'll minimize this scene. Cause they don't seem to like drawing that kind of stuff. That mm-hmm. that's a different story. You know, you, 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 you'd be understanding with your, with your dance partner, you know? Yeah. Well, I, and I think, listen, it, it always comes down to, you know, the inspiration and the inspiration starts for the person with either the pencil or the keyboard in hand. And that inspiration needs to drive you to be able to complete the story arc, like for you as the writer. And then it's your job to transmit that, that excitement onto the page to the person who has a pencil in their hand to say, okay, I'm going to draw this now. Yeah. Rather than like, all right, well, I guess I'll just draw this. Like, you want, you know what I mean? Like you want them to read it and go like, you know? Yeah. 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 Like I want, I can't wait to draw this. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a thing. And I think it's cool. I mean, I, the more you're going to do the writing for, you know, this, this project, it's going to help all your own writing for what you want to do for yourself, because you're going to, you're just going to like, that's where you're going to probably get the most heavy lifting experience, you know, in that process. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it's all, yeah, it's like, it's, it's, it is very different. It's it's a very different, very different kind of feeling to it. Um, For those reasons you mentioned, really, it's like, it's all got to be on the page. You can't just kind of um, like, like writing and drawing Kaya. It's just kind of, it, 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 I don't know. I'm, I, I guess I relate it in a way to like the artist, me, me, the artist being a separate person in a way where mm-hmm. it's like, I can't, I, I can't just draw stuff. I I can't just write stuff for myself that I want to draw. There's got to be a real good story in there or yeah. else again, no one's going to care. So I try to treat that project like, you know, in that same way where it's like the story has got to be, got to hit the notes. Um, but it's just, that much more when you're working with somebody else because it's kind of like i know what i like i I, that even if i don't try i'm gonna end up writing stuff that'll be fun for me to draw it's gonna work its way in just because i already i don't have to think about my own you know predilections or my own whatever like things things that i get into it's like i I know what that is already so yeah getting into the another artist's head and trying to figure that out that's a different different skill set yeah and there's you know it is so exciting and gratifying when somebody reads what you wrote and they're super excited, especially in the early stage before it's actually like, you know, on the shelves in the stores. Like when someone's like, yeah. oh, my God, this is great. Like, I can't wait. Or your editor or or your alpha readers who you share stuff with early on. They're like, oh, man, this is going to be really good. Like, that's the kind of cool stuff. And, you know, it also gives you that opportunity. Like we were talking about, you know, taking a piece of tracing paper to your own artwork, like looking at the pages of someone else doing your art your your story and where they're killing it where they're not killing it that's your tracing paper sketch like there's your information yeah. like okay all right it's probably best best if i give a little more of this and take a little bit of this out um yeah 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 for sure it's, cool. it's all i mean similar to this this podcast it's like 
spelling it out a little bit more having to a podcast is a version of where you have to think you know you have to um it's not just instinctual you have to actually talk about this thing that you have already do in your work but you've never really put it into words mm-hmm. so you kind of have to like kind of explain it to a certain degree like that's very helpful and same thing yeah you can see some of your some of the things that you fall back on a little bit easier when somebody else is drawing it, you're like, Oh man, I do that scene a lot. <laughs> you know, like maybe I need to do a little <laughs> bit less of that particular, or that type of character or, you know, just certain like fallbacks that you have. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's, it's very, it's, it's very useful. I'm, I'm at the very beginnings of that next thing. It's not a thing yet. I still have to pitch it to a publisher and et cetera, right. et cetera. But, uh, but just, uh, just coming up with it, just going my little, hour and a half every morning at the coffee shop is always exciting. Just filling all, filling out those new worlds, you know? Well, at the very least you sound like a very, uh, you know, cultured artist, you know, I (laughs) sit and I write at the coffee shop, so it's fine. (laughs) Do you wear a beret? I mean, it is Montreal, so you could get away with beret, right? (laughs) Yeah. I get a latte and, uh, and I do, and I do my writing and, you know, I let the muse, I let the muse come down and give me her beautiful ideas and and I write nothing but poetry. Yeah. So with the package, you on your, on your table and just sit there and look, look cultured. Yeah. Yeah, Um, so me. any conventions left for you this year or are you wrapping up for winter? Yeah, I'm doing one more uh, New York Comic Con in October um, 12th, 16th, yeah. something like 12th, that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, me and Drew, me and my brother Drew, we're going to be sharing a table, hawking our wares as usual. Cool. I've done that one like every year since since that particular version started, um, the read, read pop version. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, then it's the winter and buckling down and getting as much done as I can and uh, trying not to be too cold. <laughs> it does get really cold in that city, man. It is a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a living iceberg for a while. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. When the spring comes around, this place goes crazy. Everyone just goes, Oh my God. It like, yeah. loses their, loses their stuff. You know, it's the, it's, um, you know, yeah. it's a cold city when they build pathways tunnels and walkways <laughs> so you can get around it in the winter and you don't have to be outside yeah we're we're like trolls living under under a bridge or something <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> yeah. but it's a great it's a it's a great place to be so um yeah i'm a fan i've been i'm born and raised here and you know it's uh it, it, there's some there's some definitely some problems here like anywhere else but, yeah sure uh, we're humans. But yeah, I'm looking forward to checking your uh, every year, Manning. Freaking never leaves me alone. He's always bugging me about coming down to Asheville. So that'll be one day. That'll be cool. That'll well, be if the, let's let's hope that the uh, the convention takes off and maybe uh, they can start, you know, getting a bigger guest list coming down here because uh, yeah, for sure, it's a great town for people to visit. And uh, you know, our steak au poivre is not as good. I'll have to, <laughs> but uh, we do. We have a we have a great. It's a great town. Um, yeah, Wes, this is great, man. It was great talking with you and, uh, yeah. Me too, man. and, uh, yeah. And so Kaya four is on the stands or coming out in the stands. No, I, I gave you oh, the yeah. first few, Three. but Kaya number 12 is coming 12. out. Soon. I'm, so, I'm, I'm going to give you way more to read, but I felt like that was just unnecessary, oh. but, uh, uh, yeah. Number 11 just came out. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. You're way out there. A week or two ago last week, I think. And number 12 is coming up soon. 
which is like an in-between issue, um, kind of a standalone issue. And I fill that stuff with back matter. There's a Gabriel Walta who does Phantom Road with Jeff Lemire. He came in to do like a little five page short story at the back. And I've got like those issues, like in between arc issues. Mm-hmm. I fill that stuff with like, there's a short story from me at the front, short story from another artist after that. And then like fan mail, fan art, character design stuff. And I did in this one, there's some comic strips that I, uh, Kaya comic strips that I did like before the comic started just to kind of get oh, myself cool. in the world. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, uh, um, yeah, it's a fun little thing. So uh, hopefully people will check that out. And it's stuff that doesn't get collected into the trade paperback. It's like, it's like a special thing for people that pick up the monthly series, like the, the, the serialized version, you know, that's cool. They, I guess they, Tom and, uh, they did that for the human target. They did that sort of that middle issue between the two book collections. Oh yeah. I have that actually. I've been collecting that. I didn't get that one though. Shoot. Yeah. There's, there's like <laughs> no, a single no, issue. Yeah. Um, well, send me your, send or maybe, me your, maybe it's on my pull list and I haven't been to my comic. All right, well, if they don't have it, um, send me your, I'll, I'll mail it up to you. Cause I, I mean, I, I read them once and I'm like, I don't know what to do with these comics anymore. So, yeah, me too. um, yeah. but yeah. Okay, cool. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm, yeah, it's, I'm, when does the collection come out? Just so. Uh, first trade paperback is out and available, you know, everywhere, comic right. shops, uh, Amazon, uh, it's uh, books, booksellers, et cetera. And number two, book number two is coming out no, in November, okay. um, end of November. I think maybe okay. November 22nd, I think. Cool. I don't think my wife will listen to this particular episode, but guess what she's getting for Christmas? <laughs> I appreciate it, man. <laughs> It'll be good. Hopefully she likes it. Yeah, yeah, no, I, it, it. She'll. I think she'll dig it a lot. I mean, she. I used to make her read Hellboy when we first got together. I'm like, read this, you know. And she's like, oh, I like this. I'm like, all right. It's like there's specific things that like I'm not going to hand her like an Avengers comic book and go have fun. She'll be like, oh, what am I doing here? Yeah, so. same thing, same thing. My over the 20 years that I've been with my wife, she's read maybe like a few comics that I've given her, maybe like three. And but she actually has some comics that she reads herself. Like she's been reading Heartstopper, that uh, comic that turned it got turned into like a netflix series yeah. so yeah she's she's in there she's she's not snobby about it she just likes what she likes though so i just let her do her thing which is <laughs> which is good rather yeah it's wise yeah yeah i agree <laughs> i agree all right wes thank you all right. yeah thank you man. cheers